Welcome back to the Ideas Podcast. Hope you enjoyed the last episode about identity. We from the podcast team and from the Ideas Club are happy to be able to continue to spread our message in episode two, gender. More to that now. In times of immense social change embodied in the Me Too and Time's Up movements, gender and the confines of it are being explored daily. In this, the Idea Club's second podcast, we will be discussing the Women's March in Berlin, the survey sent out to John F. Kennedy students, and personal reflections about gender. The Me Too movement and the general grapple with gender that has accompanied it transformed the way we converse about gender roles. By applying these complex issues to our own situations, we have been inspired to delve into gender in our own environment, JFK. By reflecting on personal, local, and global experience of gender, we hope to initiate a conversation about how gender is treated today and how we can make tomorrow a better place. Well, gender isn't everything. It dictates what toys you play with as a kid, what bathroom you go to, and I believe it gives you an automatic ranking in society. I also find myself hyper aware of my own female identity in everyday situations, when I'm walking alone, for example. But to me, being a woman is also very empowering. I have the ability to speak up and out and take control. However, I can't ignore that gender plays a crucial role in polarizing and dividing the world, that throughout history, women or those who weren't clearly men have been forced down or into stereotypes, and that those generalizations and expectations persist in modern day. But we are seeing a lot of people, especially women, find their voices right now. Um, gender has affected me in such a way that its stereotypes have affected me. Those being mainly uh, that a male should portray more masculine traits, um, more masculine mannerisms, and um, that I do not embody those um, mannerisms, traits of a what is commonly associated with male. Um, I'm thankfully not subjected to discrimination, bullying as many other people around the world or even in Germany are uh, due to these um, different traits. Um, but it does give me a insight into other groups as well as, of course, other individuals who, um, who uh, are subjected to discrimination and that includes females and I sort of I think it gives me a unique um, worldview on the imbalances of gender.
Gender has affected my worldview in the sense that I was raised by a single mom. Ever since I was two, it's been largely the two of us with ever decreasing contact to my dad. And so the whole, the gender norms around what parent does what doesn't really exist in my mind because the stereotypically masculine things like fixing my mom's Vespa or hanging a mirror in a bathroom or whatever, those have always been done by my mom, often with my help. Um, which means that in my mind, there's no moms do this, dads do that. It's moms can do everything and dads can also do everything. So we just got back from the Women's March 2019. It was from 10 to 12.30. From Brandenburger Tor, we marched down to the Alexanderplatz. And it was great. We had a great time. There were great speeches, very influential. We fought for women's rights. And now we have some people who want to share their gut reaction. So what was your gut reaction? So this was my third Women's March, and it was really nice to see how many more people there were this year than all the years before. And it was a great feeling to be surrounded by so many women and men and non-binary people coming together, especially coming from different backgrounds and all over the globe, to fight for a common goal. And this was reflected in all the speeches, and people were giving personal stories and sharing their experiences and I think it created a very positive environment for everyone. Um, my gut reaction was not as positive. I think during it, I felt, I mean, I obviously wanted to be there. I want for women to have equal rights. That's something I'm passionate about. I was just, I guess, a little bit sad that it was still necessary. And even though there were a lot of people, I was just still wondering like, how are we still here? How is not everybody here? And why do we still need to do this today? Um, my reaction was in a similar vein. Um, and of course I was impressed by the amount of people that did show up and were showing support and also the amount of young people I really found inspiring. I saw um, a lot of uh, classmates. I saw people from other schools um, and I really liked that. But at the same time, um, when I was in a smaller group at the outskirts of the larger march, uh, we were approached by uh, an individual, who uh, a German, who asked us um, what was going on. And uh, we explained to him that it was a women's march, and he told us, um, well, why is this in English? You aren't going to achieve anything that way. And it was sort of disheartening because... Of course, uh, the reason we are doing it in English is it's an international movement. The world needs to know. And Berlin is an international city. Like, everyone should be able to, you know, take part in these international matters, not be bothered by different languages. And it seemed to me that these individuals were in some way. And um, that they... Should we be having this uh, march in German so that we are able to... Um, reach the people in Germany and it, it's something to think about and it was somewhat disheartening to hear these reactions from bystanders but uh, overall it was still a very positive um, first women's march. 
Um, I wanted to add on to that. I think I really was also inspired by the amount um, of young people there. Very much felt like the young people were kind of reclaiming the world. That we felt that we inherited something that was really suboptimal and that we were going to show up to fix that and that we were going to do so from a very young age so as to kind of start repairing problems that have existed for too long. And to what has been said before, I also had a similar experience where someone came up to us and asked, why are you doing this? What's the purpose? But in an aggressive manner. And well, we responded, it's for equality. And I think it's clear to see that a lot of people don't really understand the purpose of feminism as a movement and as marches. They don't understand why people need to come together. And I think maybe sometimes I don't completely understand why that's necessary either. But when you are given a platform to speak up about something and there are people at the march encouraging everyone to go out and vote, if, especially if they had American citizenship, and I think that's a really excellent use of, of your platform and speaking to all these people because that's a way to make a change. I also wanted to add that um, perhaps the reaction or a reaction that was also quite worrisome to me was it was in a way seen almost as like extremism. Like people were seeing our signs, they were thinking, what are they doing? Like they're they're walking on the street. They're being loud, rambunctious, um, and I mean, of course, like oh, we could be bothering your day by doing this march, but it's for a good purpose. And I think it's not an established thing necessarily here that marches are associated with something good, and rather with something that is perhaps extreme. Recently, we sent out, the Ideas Club sent out a survey to 142 JFKS students. Um, there was equal responses in grades 10, 11, and 12, uh, and the gender of the respondents was also pretty much equal. Um, there was a small subsection of non-binary, and other than that, it was pretty equal in male and female respondents. There were many themes that we talked about in the survey, but the three that we're going to be focusing on um, today are academics, student treatment, slash sexual harassment, um, and feminism. So the first question that I'm going to ask you guys is based on kind of contradicting pieces of evidence. Um, so when asked the question whether JFKS overall provide provided equal opportunities for boys and girls to academically succeed, 73% agreed. Whereas when asked whether JFKS teachers treat boys and girls equally in the classroom setting, only 30% agreed. So can you maybe talk about this dissonance um, and tell us whether boys and girls are treated equally? Um, I actually did respond in this exact same manner, um, voting or uh, choosing once to go with the um, that equal opportunities are provided for boys and girls, but not uh, that boys and girls are necessarily treated equally by teachers. And I think um, my reasoning for answering this way was I do think that um, generally boys and girls 
do have all the same um, uh, possibilities in JFK as there's no uh, girls aren't allowed to join this and this club which could benefit you and get you into this and this school or there's no there's no segregation in that way between male and female inhibiting them from achieving their um, maximum potential as a student. My reasoning for, however, choosing um, the unequal treatment of students by teachers was that um, I think generally the way um, males or um, um, male students act uh, in comparison to female students generally um, makes them receive more favor or um, teachers are more favorable favorable towards female students due to the fact that they are usually perhaps more quiet or at least um, they are not as loud as the male students and perhaps this isn't always true and I can say for a fact that it isn't always true but it is at least an association that is made with the genders and for that reason I think um, a lot of teachers do from the first moment on prefer females over males. Um, I think this raises questions or even just generally there's a question about um, how the educational system we have, if that's designed to equally um, benefit both genders. So I think that's for sure questionable when we look at some basic biological nature stuff. And so I really wonder how different influences such as genders of teachers at a young age, the differences in raising of genders, um, and then just biological factors influence um, the gender's ability to act a certain way in the classroom setting that we have at our school. Because I think ideally, and especially at JFK, everyone, um, everyone is set up to succeed. Everyone is given the opportunity to take their education to their own hands. But I, I want to comment on what you said because in a society where women are often given caretaker roles or expected to be quiet or to be subtle, then that definitely translates into a classroom setting and especially apparent at JFK. And I think that's why teachers may be more inclined to favor women. Um, and I think it's not necessarily an active favoritism, and oftentimes it's more subconscious. And I think that one piece of data that we have additionally to the ones I mentioned before um, is that 76% of the students agreed that boys and girls have equal opportunities for academic success at JFK. Um, I think it is important to think about what was brought up about um, other circumstances, whether that be biological or what gender your teacher had when you were um, in the early stages of development. But it's also a fair point that JFK does give all genders the opportunity to kind of thrive and go on from there. Um, so you have to consider both and also the reality um, that even if JFK is a very open and liberal place, there will be dissonances in how teachers treat genders, and that might not always be as equal as we hope. Okay, um, now that we've talked about how teachers treat students and we've talked about academics, let's talk about how um, students treat each other. So we asked students questions about sexual harassment, how often they thought it occurred, 
um, and we gave them a definition, which I'm about to read in the first question that we have. If we define sexual harassment as the making of unwanted sexual advances or obscene remarks, what percentage of female students at JFKS do you think have been sexually harassed? 40% of students that took the survey said that the number of students that had been sexually harassed was 60% and above. How do you respond to this? Do you think that this has some accuracy? Well, first of all, I want to address, I think there were some discrepancies in in answering the survey. Personally, I believe that the question was asking about students in general and whether or not um, students had, JFK students had been harassed in any situation. And I know some other people um, believed it was asking whether or not students had been harassed at JFK. And I think that could um, lead to differences in the data, may not give us the most accurate reading on what people believe. I still know so many people who have experienced sexual harassment and I see its occurrence every day um, and can say that I've personally experienced it. So I agree with the percentage of 60 to 80% of women being sexually harassed is most appropriate. I personally, when answering this questionnaire, um, also uh, had the misconception of thinking this was um, solely within JFK. Um, but I still did answer that I believed um, 40 to 60 percent of the females at JFK had been sexually harassed. And uh, this is due to the fact, so being with guy friends, let's call them that, or male classmates, um, perhaps behind closed doors I get to hear experiences that females answering the survey might not, and males answering the survey uh, would be unwilling to take into account. Um, and as such, uh, I sort of came to the conclusion, I do hear like conversations objectifying and speaking about the physical appearances of um, females solely on that very surface level. And to me, that is, of course, sexual harassment. And so not even taking into account outside of uh, the boundaries of John F. Kennedy, um, I saw about 40 to 60% uh, at least being um, sexually harassed. And taking into consideration a different question we raised in our survey, how many percent of students you had heard made sexist comments or jokes, which was a large percent, 90% said that they had either sometimes or frequently heard their classmates make jokes as, on the basis of prejudice, stereotyping, and discrimination. Um, in consideration of sex. Um, do you think that this has something to do with sexual harassment? Uh, and what kind of environment does this create for students going to JFK every day? I think um, a lot of, at least from my personal experiences, um, a lot of the jokes are not in the same vein as sexual harassment. So they might be aimed more at traditional female stereotypes or just old ideas of what women should be doing. And I think this might be a rebelling against the kind of political correctness we're seeing nowadays. So in a situation where people don't feel like they have consequences, that's making jokes seems like it won't have consequences. So it seems like something where people can still kind of get out things like that. But I think there really is an underlying problem with that, first of all, at 
how people who respond negatively to these jokes are treated. They're seen as kind of like angry women or whatever. And it generally just contributes to an atmosphere that I think is suboptimal. Though I do, of course, I understand jokes and I think it really depends on the intent and nature of the joke and the audience. I absolutely agree that I think the lack of consequences can contribute to people making these jokes, but also I think the lack of education or ignorance towards the topic could can contribute to it and creates a, a kind of unequal environment that we see at JFK every day. And often I think men, I don't want to generalize, but if men feel reluctant to call themselves feminists, it may because, be because they feel oppressed by this overwhelming number of women coming together and fighting for their own rights. But what we have to make sure that everyone knows is that uh, no one is trying to take away the rights of men, but that may be what they're seeing and what they're experiencing, and then they may resort to um, commenting and making these jokes. And like you said, um, it does depend on the nature, but it they are present and you can't ignore that. Moving on to feminism at JFK, we have a feminist initiative, but um, there seems to be an underlying misunderstanding about what feminism is. So if we define feminism as demanding equal rights and equal opportunities for all people and asking the question whether we should all be feminist, 65% agreed and around 20 either strongly disagreed or disagreed. Would you like to go into the dynamics of that and why you think those 20% disagreed with something that seems, I mean, kind of like common sense? When we look at things like the Me Too movement, we see a lot of men being taken down from powerful positions or being held accountable for things that they haven't previously been held accountable for. So I think there's kind of a lot of, first of all, fear, just a culture of, you know, what can you say? Which I personally, it's like, well, hmm, things that don't offend other people's basic human rights or make them feel uncomfortable. Um, but I think that that contributes to people feeling attacked and that can turn into anger and then want them, make them not support this kind of cause. Yeah. When asked the question whether students consider themselves to be feminists, 57% said yes. 20% said no, and 22% were unsure. When we consider the data that I just brought up before, could you kind of elaborate on why you think this is? Well, I think by a lot of males, um, feminism is still seen as this sort of, oh, hyper-liberal, hyper-sensitive movement that um, is sort of too much like oh women are fine what do they want like ah, don't be too sensitive like people uh men and women are equal and i think it comes from you know not being educated on the topic not knowing the numbers or at least disregarding them um and due to it feminism is seen as this sort of extreme uh, adaptation of um or interpretation of the numbers to a lot of males. And I think it leads to a very negative connotation of the word feminist, and that is why um, perhaps males or even females 
could react um, in a way and see it as something too extreme. I think not only is it seen as extreme or oppressive, often it is seen as unnecessary. And I think maybe we need to do a better job of educating others on why it is important to raise women up from their inherently lowered position in society and explain the the facts about a gender pay gap when often that is discredited as a myth and about many other crucial issues that are lowering women in society. So not only is it the basis of fear that is making people reluctant, but it is the lack of education. So everyone can do a better job in making sure people are aware of what it really means to be a feminist. So more people can be part of the movement and strive for equality. It could also be a question, and I don't want to generalize, but there could be people who are reluctant to question a society that hasn't had negative consequences for them. And so there's a f wondering of necessity, there's a feeling that this is working out fine, why would I want to change this? So I think that is definitely something to consider. And I think another thing to consider is that men often feel like feminists are against them um, and they feel like feminists are man-hating which could be an excuse or a reason for them to kind of be against the movement that really only strives for equality and I think considering that with what was just mentioned about you know men not really supporting a movement because they have never been disadvantaged that kind of goes hand in hand and you need to see both sides of that and realize that all that feminists really want is to be treated the same as men. Um, and equality is the word that you hear again and again when considering feminism. So keep that in mind. And I think that leads a lot of people to question why it needs to be the, why the phraseology needs to be feminism and not equality and not just speak to equality because I think you need to recognize that females are have been disadvantaged and that we want to raise them up to equality but if you're just taking a position on equality then you're not taking into account that it's women specifically among others but in this vein women need to be raised up. We hope that these contradicting survey results reflect the diverse opinions at JFK and that we recognize the positive um, responses in comparison to other cultures in the world, um, but that we don't stop to continue to strive for more and for better at JFK and that these contradictions inspire conversation amongst you and your friends in hope to solve some of the problems that gender creates. The Women's March, the reflections after it, and the discussion about the JFK survey hopefully led you to think a bit about the topic gender itself. Thank you all for tuning into our podcast again. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and to subscribe to our podcast. Don't worry, episode three will be coming soon, so stay tuned. Thank you.
Thank you.